Today on the show, we are going to talk about depression, to understand what depression is and some methods for dealing with it to get out of it, to liberating yourself from it. I will also share with you a poem I wrote in one of my greatest, deepest depressions. So make sure you visit the storyofmepodcast.com to submit questions for the show. Follow the link to the Facebook group so you can continue the conversation after the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Share it with a friend if you think they would benefit from it. And please rate and review the podcast as this helps me get the word out. Thank you. Now let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where I share stories from my unconventional life and relate the psychological insights that I learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your awareness of your own self-limiting patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. My name is Amarjit Singh. I am your host. Thank you for joining me today. Today we're going to get into a topic that many people deal with, and some at very deep, hard, difficult levels, and some people just in maybe more superficial ways. It's a very interesting issue because many people don't look at it correctly, and so this impedes the capacity to get out of this. And what we're talking about is depression. I will discuss what depression is and give you methods of liberating yourself from depression and tell you some stories of what I've had to deal with in my life and give you a couple stories about this. So to begin with, we need to have a little disclaimer in the beginning here that there are different causes of depression. There's depression now we see from head injuries, and there are medical reasons that some people are depressed, meaning there are physiological issues with them that need to be fixed or corrected. And this is not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is going to be the general depression that people go through in different periods of their life. Now, Depression can cause physiological problems, and physiological problems can cause depression, so they're intertwined. And so I'm not a doctor, but what I advise you if you're feeling depressed is the first thing to do is go get a medical evaluation from a doctor. Let them do a checkup on, on your hormones, your organs, your, your blood, all this stuff to see if there's any physiological issues. Uh, have them even, if it's really bad, is, is examine the head to see if there's any trauma from head injury that maybe you were not aware of or, or that happened so long ago and now it's manifesting. 
And this is a very different aspect of what I'm talking about today. Although, like I said, if you get depressed and you're depressed long enough, it will start to cause physiological problems. And so this is why it's important to continue this medical evaluation when you're going through this to make sure that everything is operating properly. With that said, you have to still be very careful when you go to the doctor and you're depressed. I I remember an experience I had where I was going through a very difficult time in my life and I was depressed. I didn't have a job. My car just got in in an accident and it was I couldn't afford to fix it. And, uh, you know, problems that you go through like this. And I went to a doctor for some medical checkup. And the doctor talked to me for a while and said, oh, you're depressed. You need to have some uh, medication. And they said this, this doctor said this without first even evaluating me. One, the doctor was not a psychiatrist trained to to really give this type of medication. But yet they were very willing to prescribe this type of medication to me without even really knowing me that well and without doing any test. There are some people that can use these medications. I'm not saying that these medications are 100% wrong or 100% right because nothing is this way. But what I'm saying is that doctors are very, not all doctors, but some doctors are very apt to use this medication without proper evaluation. And the side effects of this medication are quite serious. If you're on this medication for long periods of time, it's difficult to get off. And what much of this medication does is it really separates you from your feelings. It creates distance. It disconnects you. And we can see this in our society. When you look at many of these school shootings or, or, or things like this, these kids were on this medication or coming off of this medication And what happens when you're on this medication, especially for long periods of time and and not really getting the proper counseling, is that you start to go numb. And when you're numb, you're disconnected from your own emotions. And if you're disconnected from your own emotions, how can you feel someone else's? In fact, when they examine the characteristics of serial killers— One of the most common characteristics is this lack of empathy and compassion for other people. And when you're on this medication, you start to disconnect from yourself, and so it's hard to have compassion for other people. And so this is, in my opinion, why many of these school shootings are happening is these people are not getting the proper counseling because of much of this medication. They're really disconnected from how they feel, and they're isolated in their life, and they're projecting their self-hate out there, and they don't have this compassion for the self and for the others. Because you look at the side effects of much of this medication, and sure, you may not be so sad, but you definitely won't be as happy either. There's no free lunch. It's going to have some, some effect, some side effect. And in fact, often when they prescribe one of these medications, they have to prescribe many to combat the side effects. You know, so you're, yeah, you don't feel as sad, but then you have difficulty having sexual intercourse or you have difficulty uh, having uh, real happiness or, or being really connected to who you are. And so this is the, the thing that you need to be very careful about when seeing a doctor with this. And I'm not saying that some people may need this, but I, I just don't think it's as many 
that are taking it. And I think that doctors are, are too easily prescribing this medication without the proper evaluation. So this is my disclaimer. And what we're going to talk about today is, like I said, the depression that is just from the daily life, the depression that, that most people experience at some point in their life, some people for very long sustained periods, which then creates physiological problems. And so this is why it's important to, to continue to get medical checkups. And so then what is depression? How do we understand what it is and how do we find ways to get out of it? So there are various times throughout life that we fall into this emotional hole. One moment we may feel that we're walking down the road of life and everything seems fine, and then suddenly we trip and are in emotional freefall. Then you may feel overwhelmed by life. Uh, All the emotional lessons that you learn suddenly feel like they never happened. And it makes you feel like you're starting over from the beginning. And the simple lessons that we thought we had mastered start to return with a vengeance. We find ourselves forgetting what it felt like to walk on level ground. We feel this imbalance. And we start to desire feeling balance and happiness and the optimism of another day instead of this dreaded feeling of facing the happiness that exists outside of us and gets reflected back to just how empty we feel with this internal sorrow and shame because we often feel shame because we think something is wrong with us when we feel this way. And then this overwhelming hopelessness just fills our, our, our whole being And so we start to feel that no matter what we do, nothing will change this feeling. And we start to feel emotionally stuck. And it seems that this feeling will never end. And I think most people can relate to this emotional struggle of depression. But what is this struggle? What is really going on here? We often hear that depression is a mental illness. And it is not. It can be, like I said in the beginning, it can be derived or manifest from an illness. If you had head trauma or if you had, like we talked about, some physiological or biological issues, then yes, this this can be an illness or it can be a symptom of an illness. But depression in itself is not an illness. Depression is a conscious or unconscious awareness of a false identification that no longer fits your life and is difficult to let go of. So let me repeat this. Depression is a conscious or unconscious awareness of a false identification that no longer fits your life and is difficult to let go of. And we talked about this a little bit in other episodes, but what is false identification? Well, the false identification is identifying with something that is not you. And we talked about this in the last episode, that anything that is temporary is not you. The true you is the permanent, is the thing that doesn't change. 
anything that changes is not you. And we start to identify with the body, and then we suffer because the body changes. Oh, we looked better 10 years ago. We had less wrinkles. The hair wasn't gray, whatever it was, but we're identifying with the body, and this will bring suffering because it's temporary. Anything that is temporary and you put your identification towards this, you will suffer. This is basic Buddhism. This false identification that's related to depression is a false identification related to the ego. And so we're going to have to define what is the ego. Well, the ego, when we think about this, where does the ego exist? Does it exist in the shoulders, the neck, the hands, the feet, the body? Where does it exist? The ego is just a collection of thoughts that you identify with. And so they're just thoughts in your mind. There's no physical form to this ego. And the more of these thoughts you have, the stronger you identify with them, the more prone you are to depression. And the deeper and more valued you identify with these aspects of the ego, the more difficult it will be to get out of depression. So let's give you an example of a false identification. For example, you may say, I am a homeowner, or I am a lawyer, I am a yoga teacher, I am a husband, I am a wife, I am a mother, I am a father. And all these things are really not who you are. So you have to be very careful whenever you use this word, I am, If anything after it is temporary, this is really setting you up for false identification. Of course, in society, we have to say, yes, I am a lawyer, I am this, I am that. But to truly identify with this is going to cause you problems in life at some point, and it's going to limit your experience. So, for example, let's say that... You are, even from a particular culture, I am Italian, or I am American, or I am Spanish, I am this, and you identify with this culture, this limits your experience. Because you say, oh, people of my culture, we don't do this. Or people of my nationality, we don't do this. And this is even common when it gets down to the family level. right? Oh, no one in my family ever graduated college, or no one in my family ever owned a home, or no no one in my family did this, and you start to set these borders and these limits for yourself. But you're identifying with these thoughts. And we do this. We do this unconsciously most of the time. I mean, I remember when I graduated with my first degree at the university, for months afterwards, I would have dreams that they would come back and take my degree from me. After a while, I started recognizing, wow, I'm having a lot of dreams like this because I didn't feel that this was part of my background or part of my family's background or part of my uh, story that I told myself. And so I had to consciously understand what was going on to let go of this idea because otherwise it would have been very difficult to go back to school and get a master's degree because I couldn't let go of this first idea. And I started to see how my mind started to identify with these things. And 
this is the idea of who you think you are prevents you from seeing who you are and also limits your experience of the capacity of who you are. And the stronger you identify with these things, the more prone you are to this depression. So, for example, let's say I'm a a husband, and then my marriage breaks up. Well, then I start to get depressed because I identified myself as this. Maybe I even took a lot of pride in this, and it was very important to me, which I'm not saying is good or bad, but the identification is what we're talking about, not the actual experience. And we started to value ourselves in this experience. And when this experience changed, we didn't know how to look at ourselves. How do we perceive ourselves when something changes like this? The same thing, and this happens often with jobs, right? You say, okay, I am a lawyer, and you lose your job. And maybe it was very difficult to go to school for you, or maybe you just valued it so much because this is how you saw your value, and it was verified every month when you got your paycheck. And and when you lose your job, you start to lose this identity of who am I? And when this happens, you start to feel depressed because this idea of who you thought you were is no longer working the more you identify with this, the stronger and longer the depression will last. So we can think of depression as really a growing pain. And this is really the proper way to look at it. And again, I'm not talking about the medical reasons for depression. I'm talking about the general depression that we encounter through life's ups and downs. So we can look at depression as a growing pain. Because this is really what it is. It's not a medical, it's not a, a mental illness. It is a growing pain. And it's just like when you have a baby and a baby has a tooth coming in and they cry and they cry because the tooth hurts coming in. But as soon as this tooth comes in, they're able to consume a wider variety of food. And the same thing with depression is you have this way of looking at yourself, this this limited way of looking at yourself, and it's difficult and it's difficult, and you go through lots of turmoil and pain in life and in this inner struggle, and then you start to learn to deal with it or things start to, uh, you start to understand it or you start to let go of this false identification. And when you let go of this false identification, what happens, just like when the baby is able to consume a wider variety of food, when you let go of this false idea of who you were, you're able to experience more things in life. You're able to open yourself up for more possibilities. And so it is a growing pain. It is a a symptom of necessary growth from recognizing some unconscious or conscious false identification that no longer fits your life and that you need to learn to let go of. And I can tell you from my own experience, this is how I I experienced it. When I left my corporate job, I I went to doing stand-up comedy and to performing, and and this was good. But after a while, I started to recognize that maybe this wasn't it also. And I started to feel this, this kind of pain, this numbness of sadness of of 
well, where am I going? Who am I? What is going on? And I didn't really understand to the full extent what was happening. And this depression lasted a long time, probably about a year, and was the deepest depression I've ever experienced. But I was able to understand some things through this. Also, this was my beginning understanding of Buddhism. So the the first things I started to experience is just this numbness that I didn't feel connected to myself and that nothing was making me feel good and I had no desire to do anything. Couldn't uh, get motivated to do anything. I was just going through the motions and it was very difficult. So I started to really look inside and say, what what is going on with me trying to understand this? And it was a long period of time of looking through this, and I picked up a book. And the book was by the author Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Zen Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Got this book from him that was the heart of the Buddha's teaching. And when I first opened this book in the first uh, few pages I read about this, it really just clicked inside of me. Because the thing that I remember really prominently from reading this book in the, the first few pages, he talked about what Buddha called suffering. And I was going through what I felt was such suffering that I, I felt like the inside of me was already dead. Buddha called suffering a holy truth because it's through suffering that you have the capacity to liberate yourself. And the thing is to learn to embrace your suffering, to let it reveal to you the way to peace. When I read this, something just clicked into me and said, what am I doing? I'm thinking about how great I felt before and how good I should feel in the future, but I'm not being present. And how can you feel good in in the moment if you're not even there? So you start to read more about this Buddhist teaching of finding liberation through your suffering. And one of the aspects that was very important in this for me was this capacity to understand impermanence. And this is the philosophy that nothing will happen again. Whatever is happening at this moment is impermanent, right? We, I talk about the temporary things, but even the moment is, is impermanent. And instead of trying to get away from this moment, is even if it's the most difficult moment of your life, is to be present and learn to enjoy it. Learn to be open to it. And so I began doing this, and this was, I'm not saying after one week of being depressed, this was after about a year of such a deep depression that, like I said, I felt I was dying. I felt something was happening really deep inside of me. And at this time, I didn't truly understand it. I just felt that something is happening, some transformation, some death. But when I started to understand this impermanence, And you can understand it like this. Imagine you're in a conversation with someone and you just want this conversation to end so you can leave because you don't know what this person is talking about or whatever it may be. Sit there in the moment and go, listen, this will never happen again. Let's enjoy this moment and just see what I I can see by being present in the moment. 
Because when you're present in the moment, you're able to witness much more than when you're not present, and this is obvious. So with my depression, I started to do this. I started to just learn to literally enjoy it. It was almost like just kind of just relaxing in it. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm depressed. It's not going away. I'm not trying to let it go away. I'm not trying to force it to go away. I'm just going to be present with it and learn to enjoy it. And I did. I started to learn to be experiencing this feeling of sadness, of depression, but not be so reactive towards it. And this is true, not just with depression, but with anything in life, is, is you can go through things that are difficult or even good, but not react to them, and it makes the experience more real or more enjoyable because you're present. So this is what I started to do, and slowly and slowly I started to let go of these ideas of who I thought I was at this time, and something that was dying inside of me started to be kind of pulled out, and something new was growing in its place. And when this happened, I was able to have wider experiences and to understand more. I started to really get into Buddhism and to understand these teachings and how they can help my life and how they can liberate me from my depression, and then started to really understand what was going on, what was this depression. And I was in the middle of of changing my life drastically. I went from going from a corporate job where I was making lots of money to a, a career of stand-up comedy, which was fun in the beginning, but then it was I didn't feel really connected to it. And so I thought, okay, well, I walked off this path of, of making money, and now what am I going to do? Who am I? You don't need to have an answer for that question to get out of the depression. You have to learn how to not react to it and not let it interfere, and not identify with it. So this this false identification is a very important idea when it comes to anything, but definitely when it comes to depression, because this is what's causing the depression, unless it's because of medical reasons that we're not talking about. But even these can be assisted by, by this, this uh, line of thinking and this approach. But it's about learning who the real you is and letting go of these ideas and not valuing yourself from these ideas because I left a job where I was getting more in one month than people make in in six months or a year and then going to that to making nothing almost. You have to then let go of this idea that I am valued by what money I can make or what position in life I have, or what car I drive, or how my living condition is. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to change these things or anything like this, but not identify with it. To be able to be in all these situations and be that same being, that being that loves yourself. So these are the things that you have to address when you're experiencing this, is how do I let go of something that's not working for me? What is not working for me? How do I perceive myself? And it takes a lot of insight to this internal investigation to see some of these false identifications. Yeah, if you lose your job, it's a little easier, but even that can get deeper 
because it's not just the job, but it's what that job meant to you or what that career meant to you and why that career meant so much to you. Because, okay, I worked so hard to get there, and, uh, and now maybe I'm feeling that maybe I wasn't worthy and this is why I walked off this path or whatever it could be. But there's so many levels to it, but they all go in line with how are you identifying with them. And even uh, the great Terrence McKenna said that culture is not your friend because it's just an operating system that limits you. And you see this in many cultures. People say, oh, this is our culture. We live this way or we do this. And it's okay to, to have some enjoyment in certain things about your life, but don't let it limit your experience. And this is what these identifications do. They limit your experience. If you define something about who you are, what you're doing is saying also who you aren't. And when you say this, you're, you're limiting your experiences because, oh, I would never do that. That's not my style of doing something. That's, and one way to really break these false identifications is to try to do things in your life that you would never think you would do. Sign up for some workshop that you never imagine yourself in a million years doing just to do it. Just show yourself, hey, if I did this, what else can I do? And this is what I do is I try to find these, these things that are not me to do them to show that it doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want and to let go of these. And then the mind becomes more flexible. Again, this is a aspect of the the physical part of yoga is the more flexible the body, the more flexible the mind. And the more flexible the mind, the easier it is to break these habit patterns. Because even yogis get depressed. But the difference is they can recognize that they're just connected or they're just attached to some way of thinking. And this happens throughout the life. Even now, with this lockdown, I start to look at my life and start to be isolated because you're stuck in this place. And normally these are the six months I'm traveling around giving workshops and I'm unable to do that. And this is where I get a lot of satisfaction. And so there is some identification with it because I, I enjoy it so much. When you can't do this, then you start to say, okay, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling depressed because I'm not able to do what I want to. I'm not able to express myself the way that I identify with. And so then the trick to get out of this is to break this identification and find other ways to express yourself and try not to identify with those. This is the process. and It's, it's the process of really true growth and true knowledge. Because you can read a thousand books and you'll get a lot of information, but it doesn't even compare to emotional experience. Because think about the most difficult emotional experiences you've had. How do you feel when you're over them? You feel stronger. You feel more capable of dealing with life. So these are the things that you need to look at when you're starting to feel depressed. So now let's talk about some methods to liberate yourself from this depression now that we understand that it is just this growing pain that we're experiencing. I read this study, uh, this medical study, and 
because of technology now, they can really study many more aspects of human beings than before. And one of them is they're able to study language easier. The psychological study they did revealed that the language that depressed people use is very different than the language that non-depressed people use, which is very interesting because your language is just really an idea of how you're thinking. If you look at psychology, they have what they call question-centered therapy, where they try to change your language to change the way you think, because if you think about it, what you say out loud is really just a projection of an internal question. Even when you, you say your name, you may have said your name a million times, but if someone asks you your name, you say it to yourself, and then you answer that question outside. This happens w- with everything. So if you want to know how people are thinking, start to look at what they're saying and say, what internal question would manifest this answer? And this is very enlightening, even to yourself, to see how you're thinking and to how other people are thinking. Just sit there in a conversation one time with a group of people and just listen to what they're saying and think, what question did they ask themselves that this was the answer to? And you will start to see how people think. And if you can do this to yourself, you'll start to be more conscious of some of your projections. Anyway, getting back to the study, they said that this language of depressed people was an indication that they were depressed compared to the non-depressed group because of one major thing. Specifically, their language was different in the pronouns that they used. So those with symptoms of depression used more first-person singular pronouns, like me, myself, and I, and fewer second- and third-person pronouns compared to people who are not depressed. And this is very interesting because we always hear this idea that helping other people will make you feel better. And here is a medical study showing that when people are depressed, they start to think about themselves too much. And again, this gets to what? I, why are they thinking of themselves? Because they're identifying with their suffering. They're identifying with who they think they are. When you're helping other people, you're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of others. And this takes you away from this identification of the self. In fact, it's quite interesting the further that I go down this path of self-realization, the less I think of myself. It wasn't some intentional thing. It just started to be this way, where the, the more I went down this path, the less I started to think about myself. I only think when it's necessary. When you catch yourself feeling depressed, look at your language. Then start to change this focus of your language, and one way is to help other people. Find some activity to help other people, whether it's volunteering somewhere or, or, I don't know, any way. There's so many ways to help others. But start to incorporate this into your day, and this will start to make you feel better. Another method to liberate yourself from depression is physical activity. Physical activity really connects us to our being. It's important to not neglect the physical. Even just going on a hike, going on a walk, 
doing yoga, doing something physical to really connect to this physical body, whether it's playing a sport or running or some do some physical activity. This always helps. And if you're having difficulty, push yourself. Okay, every morning when I wake up, even when I don't feel good, I'm going to go for a walk for a half hour or hour or 15 minutes, whatever it is. The other method to help liberate you from this depression is, is this idea of loving yourself. And this means eating healthy. Because when we get depressed, it's easier to not take care of ourselves because we're not happy with how we feel and we try to punish ourselves. So make sure you're eating healthy. Cook for yourself. Start to do new recipes. Do something that makes it fun, enjoyable. Something that takes your mind off of thinking about your problems. Which leads to the next thing is to keep busy. Find some activities. If you're not working, look for a job. If you're working, but this is still not really enough, find some activity after work or before work or some activity that keeps you busy, keeps you engaged. It's very important to be engaged with some activity because when the mind has time to just dwell on itself is what causes problems. And I see this all the time. In fact, this happens in in relationships. When someone is bored because they don't have a, a fulfilling job or their life is just not so exciting, they start to create problems in their relationships just to give them something to do. And they don't do this consciously. It happens unconsciously. Because the mind, if you don't know how to turn it off, needs to be engaged, needs to be active. Another method is to spend time with friends. And this is a big one, at least for me, this has been a big one, because I already live a a somewhat isolated life because I spend a lot of time in meditation retreats and writing and this type of stuff. And so it's important to spend time with friends, to connect with people. And it's very difficult for some people because they start to withdraw from life. They start to withdraw because they don't want to be seen. They feel shame. But you need to really engage with people because this connection to people is what really drives us to the idea of being one. And so this is a very important aspect. All these methods are equally important, but... This is something that you see all the time. People start to withdraw from, from being with people. They isolate. And they do things that are, are not really helping them engage, but they're just numbing them, watching too much television, doing drugs, eating, whatever it may be. But they isolate emotionally and physically. And this is something you should focus on is how to engage with friends, how to engage with people. And you'll start to really learn that this is just a reflection of bringing yourself out of this introspective negativity. The next method is an important one, even if you're not feeling depressed. I I find this to be a very important thing because of who you are. And this is to engage in some creative activity. Even if it's something that you're never going to be the master at, uh, maybe you like to draw pictures and they look like a kindergarten drew them. But as long as you enjoy doing it and you feel connected to it, do it. So find some creative outlet. Find some hobby, whether it's coloring in some 
books or, or whether it's drawing or painting or or making something, whatever. It could be anything. With cooking, it could be cooking. It could be anything where you have to connect to how you feel, and then you have to connect to what you're doing. Not only is this good for getting out of depression, but this is good for building emotional connection. When you're having difficulty in life making decisions, you're having difficulty in life feeling connected and you're numb, this is the number one thing to do is find some creative outlet that you have to connect to. And it could be anything. I mean, really, creativity is just the approach to doing something. It's not the activity itself. You can clean your house with creativity. But find some activity to do where you have to connect to how you feel and then do the, and put this in whatever you're doing. And this will help you get out of this depression. And this will help you, even if you're not depressed, to connect in a deeper level with your emotional self. It's the best thing to do. It's the, the thing that I recommend the most to people is to find some, even if it's writing a di- diary every evening or, or doing something like this, it doesn't have to be some incredible, fabulous outcome, but it just builds this connection to the self. If you're having difficulty making decisions in life, what this is, is a, it's a lack of emotional connection to yourself. If you're feeling bored, this is a lack of emotional connection. If you're feeling numb, it's a lack of emotional connection. And the number one way to build this connection is to do something creative. Also, meditation builds this connection to the the internal self. The other thing that you can do is to appreciate the experience. Like I said, this Buddhist idea of impermanence, that this will never happen again, enjoy it. And it sounds funny to enjoy depression, but it's possible. And it's possible to enjoy being sick because you can kind of watch yourself from the outside and not truly experience it, like I talked about on the last program, is how to experience the true self as the observer to the mind and the body and not to identify with the suffering. And this is by appreciating the experience and recognizing that this will never happen again just like this, so enjoy it. To conclude, remember, depression is not an illness. Of course, again, I'm going to, to say this again because I always have people say, oh, but my, it's a biological thing. Yeah, of course. With some people, they have some traumas, they have some physiological or biological problems that they are causing this. But again, like I said too, depression also causes physiological problems if it's deep enough and long enough. But what I'm talking about here is the the daily depressions or the depressions through life that we encounter. And so this type of depression is not an illness. It is a process of expanding consciousness through spiritual awareness and growth. And like I said, think of it like a baby that is suffering because its teeth are growing in. Once the teeth are grown in, the baby is stronger and can participate in life more fully by eating a wider variety of foods. This is part of growing. This depression, an expansion of your mind through the guidance of your emotions that provides a deeper, more authentic connection between your soul and this human life. So look at this depression as an opportunity to let go of the person you thought you were to get closer to realizing this being 
that you are. And what I'd like to do today is, is to leave you with a poem that I wrote during my deepest depression of my life that I talked about uh, in this program. And this was one way that I used to get me out of this is to write this poem. And for me, this poem brings back some very hard experiences and to me, a beautiful poem just because of the experience I was able to articulate to myself through this. So I will leave you with this today. I wake up and don't know if the sun shines, my vision tinted in gray, whether my eyes are open or closed or it's night or day. My knuckles white, I clench my sheets, crying blindly like a baby with unmet needs. Tears of frustration won't go away, I don't know how much longer I can stay. Do I need to bleed to set my soul free? My journey seems wide, but why do I always come back to the same side? Helpless and alone, I drift, not sure if I've ever slept. I feel such deep despair that lines etched in my face match my heart to create a tortured pair. My soul struggle grips me outside. Does it need to end for me to feel truly alive? Sometimes the warm smile from a glowing stranger feels like the first rays of summer. But I could never let her in like a rose in bloom, darkness grows in gloom. How can I confide that I'm lying awake while I'm dying inside? Do you think she would run and hide if I asked her to rip through my chest, grab my heart out, and squeeze it against her breast? No, my heart is heavy. Beating is just a technicality. Whatever needs to be, let it be, because my heart is aching for my soul to be free. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I really enjoyed sharing with you. The homework for this episode is to become aware of your false identifications, like we talked about, how you're defining yourself, and let go of them a little bit. 
let go of this idea of who you think you are or how you're defining yourself, whether you're depressed or not. When we say, I am of this culture, I am of this nationality, I am of this uh, background, it limits you. Even you say, I'm a man, and men, we don't do this, or I'm a woman, and women, we, we don't do this. It limits your experience, and also it causes difficulties in your life. Let go of these identifications. So go through your day and, and see how you're identifying, how you're describing yourself to yourself, to other people, and let go of this. Because even if you're identifying with things that we think are good, like yoga teacher or a spiritual person or whatever it is, these are building up these archetypes in your mind that you're connected to. And these need to be let go of to realize yourself because this idea of who you think you are is what is preventing you from seeing who you are. So go to the podcast website to submit your questions at thestoryofmepodcast.com. And also go to the Facebook group and share your experience with the homework or with the show so we can all join in on the conversation. Make sure you share the podcast with a friend, rate and review it, subscribe to it, get the word, help me get the word out, connect with us on all social media platforms. And remember that suffering is a holy truth. And through suffering, you're able to find the path to liberation. So until the next time, from the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Whoa.